0: So some of you might already know this, some some might not, uh, but every uh, year for these the, kind of like the two big holidays that we celebrate, the two big feast days that we celebrate, Christmas and Easter. And my understanding actually is that um, this it used to be the case that it was like this for a lot more of the, the big holy days. But for these two big days, we, we don't just celebrate them on one day, but we celebrate what's called an octave. Uh, so an octave is eight uh, and we celebrate these, these big days, Easter and Christmas, for an octave. So no, no, for eight days. So, like, it's every, every day for eight days. It's like that day again. So the octave of Easter, which we'll celebrate, you know, once Easter comes on, on March 31st, uh, we'll celebrate for eight consecutive days. Of course, we have an entire season of Easter that's 50 days long, but the particular celebration is for eight days that it's like every day we wake up and it's Easter Sunday again. We do the same thing for Christmas. Um, it's, not, it's not quite as... Um, Strong or intense as, as the Easter one is, but it's the same, the same idea of, like, we wake up on Christmas on December 25th, and it's like, hey, it's Christmas, and then we wake up on the 26th, and it's meant to be the same kind of thing, like, hey, it's Christmas, and the same thing on December 31st, hey, it's until we finally get to the octave day, which is January 1st, um, which I know for the civic year, it's a new year, but for us as Catholic Christians, January 1st is this great solemnity when... Uh, we celebrate mary as the mother of jesus who is god and so mary the mother of god is this, this great big feast day so nice anyway, so we have this octave of christmas and of course we're, we're right toward the tail end of it we're just one one day left uh, within the octave anyway during the octave because christmas is a movable day and it's you know on a different day every week or every year um, whenever a sunday comes between the 25th and the first the church invites us or doesn't invite us the church requires us to celebrate the feast that we celebrate today which is the feast of the holy family so every year on the sunday between the 25th and the first is the feast of the holy family of jesus mary and joseph the only exception to that would be if christmas falls on a sunday because then the first is also going to fall on a sunday and so then you can't celebrate on the sunday between because there isn't one so then we just celebrate on december 30th okay so that's that's what we're doing today. We're celebrating the Feast of the Holy Family. And as we do this, the invitation is just really simple. It's for us to take a step back and continue to kind of reflect on, revel in, bask in the mystery that we've entered into. The mystery of Christmas. Which again, like I know, I know for, for all of us, we're just so accustomed to it. We're, we're so And like, this is, this is something that's just like, it's hard to get people to change their minds on this, but it's, it's true that we're so accustomed to the reality the celebration that God became man, that for most of us, we don't even think twice about it, but what the church is inviting us to do. And really what the Lord would invite us to do is to just like take a minute and pause and just say, hold on a minute. (laughs) This should not be something that is overly familiar to us. Even while it is something that is familiar to us, but if we become like overly familiar, then it's just like a mystery that becomes so casual and we lose sight of the reality that God who is without limit, God who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, he humiliates himself to take on the form of a baby. Before that, right, like a form of a baby in a womb, limiting himself in, in this like incredibly like disproportionate kind of way. And then he's born into the world, making himself, he who is all-powerful, he makes himself dependent on these two parents, Joseph and Mary. It's like, we gotta, we, like that's a mystery that, that is worth pondering and, and savoring in a real way. Just like, what in the world is going on? So that's, that's ultimately what we celebrate. So, so as, as, we, as we kind of go into this, like there's this kind of underlying thing. Everything that Jesus touches, he redeems. Everything that Jesus touches, he redeems. So we have to understand that sin, we we talk about sin all the time, I know, but sin, it causes not like a, a damage to our relationship with God. Sin, the original sin with Adam and Eve, their rebellion against God, it causes a break, a severing, in their relationship with God. So now, before they could have a communion together, they could share life in the Garden of Eden together, walking in, in, in the cool of the day, this sort of poetic kind of way of talking about like this beautiful relationship that man and woman had with God in the beginning. But because of sin, because of this rebelliousness, it breaks that relationship and it causes a gap between God and humans. And this gap is a gap that we can't fix. It's impossible for us to fix this gap. And so it's a gap that is perpetual. And so what happens, this is what the incarnation is, what where Christmas is, is that Jesus comes into the gap and he lays down his life so that now the gap has been bridged by Jesus. So what is he doing? He's he who is God takes on our human nature, a human body, a human intellect, a human will. He takes that on. And he enters into the gap so that as both God and man, he can bring about this relationship, this reconciliation of the union that was lost because of sin. So he redeems human nature because of that. Because of that, now when we are baptized, we say that we are baptized into the body of Christ. We become members of him. So so he now who's in this gap, when we're baptized, it's like we come into him. And coming into him means coming into the presence of God. It's like, this beautiful thing that takes place. So he offers us redemption. Everything that he touches, he redeems. Now, of course, we know that the redemption that he offers is just that it's an offering. It's not a mandate, unfortunately. He, can't for, he doesn't force himself upon us, which I suppose is a good thing, but, but we also know what? We know plenty of people, both in our families, in the world, we know plenty of people who hear about the message of Christianity, they hear about how Jesus offers redemption and salvation, about how Jesus offers the opportunity to come into the gap with him. We know plenty of people who just openly reject it. Plenty of people maybe who, who they, they weren't raised as Christians and they hear the Christian gospel and they say, mm, that's not for me. But they reject the opportunity of redemption. We know plenty of people who were raised as Christians raised as Catholic Christians, raised as Protestant Christians, and what happens? They're raised, but then they eventually say, no, I'm going to walk away from this. Maybe at one point they had actually received the redemption, but then they did what? They dislodged themselves from the body of Christ so that they've walked away from it. Uh, Simeon says this in our gospel, right? He says, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted and you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So Simeon sees this, like even as Jesus as a baby is brought into the temple, Simeon sees clearly, he's like, no, 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 like this baby is incredible. I see the salvation that that has been promised. This is is amazing. But I also see in this baby that not everyone's going to accept him. Some people are going to openly reject him. And so that's actually not going to lead to them being elevated in dignity, but it's going to lead to their downfall where they will be eternally separated from God. And they will experience the punishments of that forever. So we know this. And so that's, that's why we have to say, yes, Jesus redeems everything. But the redemption that he offers is a simple, it's an offer. It's not, it's not by force. And so, part of our basking in this mystery of Christmas is that, well, we first got to kind of ask ourselves this question, right? It's is like, we're all baptized in here, hopefully, or, or whatever, but, but like, okay, so where am I in, in this? Where am I have, I? have I accepted the offer to come up and unite myself to Jesus? Or, or am I in a place maybe where I'm not that interested? Right now, I know that we're here at church, and so like, I, I know that probably most of us would, maybe all of us would say, well, no, of course, like, I'm, I'm up here. But we, we also can't fool ourselves, right? We also know that there's plenty of church-going people who, who maybe on Sundays, they're united with the Lord, but between Sundays, they're severing themselves from him. Um, but So that's, that's the first invitation. But then from there, we can say, like, okay, well, what else does, does Jesus touch? And, and what else he touches is what we celebrate today is that he touches the family. Jesus could come in any way that he wants to come. He could come as like this lone ranger who just suddenly appears as a man and just like goes around and like takes things by force and and causes all kinds of problems. Like he could do that in all of his power and all of his glory if he wanted to. But he's chosen to come into the world by way of a family. Why? Because he wants to redeem family life. He wants to make it so that family life at least has an offer to be a place where people can encounter him, Where people have a place where they can uh, know the protection from evil in the world. Where people can, what? They can share a kind of communion with God. That's what he wants for family life. But remember, it's an offer, right? We, We all know in our own experiences that family life doesn't always offer that. Family life does not always offer protection from evil. Family life does not always offer an opportunity to come into communion with God. And so when we look at how Jesus redeems family life or how he offers family life a redemption, we want to kind of ask, like, okay, well, what's at the core of that? Like, what is at the heart of that? And then from there to turn it back on our own families, whether we're currently raising a family, whether we have raised a family, whether we we look back on our own family life when we were kids... But first, like, okay, what's at the core of the family life of the holy family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? And it's just like so clear from our gospel passage today. What is this? When the days were completed for their purification, according to what? According to the law of Moses, they took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. And then they make an offering. They offer a sacrifice. Why? In accordance with the dictate of the law of the Lord. So what's at the core? What's at the heart of the holy family? is obedience to God's laws. In faithfulness. Not not just because it's like, well, this is what we're supposed to do, but it's because God has offered us his redemption, and so we gotta do what? We gotta be obedient to that, in faith. So what's at the core of the holy family, and so therefore, what should be at the core of all of our families is obedience to the laws of God. So like, if that's at their core, if that's at their heart, then again, we can turn it back on ourselves, and we can ask this question, okay, like, if I'm raising a family right now, If I have kids at home, is this at the heart of my family? Obedience to the commands of God so that I actually don't care what else happens to us. As long as we keep our core together, as long as we're obedient to God's commandments, then we're modeling ourselves after the Holy Family. And that's really all that matters. Sometimes that comes with some difficulties, right? Sometimes it means like, okay, kids, we can't do everything because sometimes the things that we, we might want to do are going to lead us away from obedience to God God's commandments. And so we can't always do everything. But, but there's actually some kind of, a, there's a sacrifice in there, but there can also be kind of joy in there because it's like, no, like, I, I remember that I want, I want to be like the Holy Family. I want to be like Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And so I'm going to strive in everything I do to be obedient, to follow God's laws. So that's, that's maybe a question. Is, is for you who are raising families, right? To think about that, like, is that at the core, at the heart of my family? The second thing, I guess, is for those maybe who have already raised children, right? Those who have adult children already, who are who are out of the house, who are doing their own thing. And so you can sort of ask ourselves, like, was this at the heart of our family life? Was the heart of our family life absolute obedience to God's commandments and everything? And now I know that, that what can happen sometimes is, is that people maybe can have a conversion after raising a family or people in the midst of raising families, can, it can be a little messy. And so like maybe there needs to be some adjustments made. And so I, I can imagine for some people, there's this sense of like, actually, I, don't, I wasn't raising that kind of a family. or I, wasn't, I didn't raise that kind of a family that, that taught my kids like absolute obedience to God's laws above all else. Sometimes maybe I let my kids stray. Sometimes maybe I gave them a little bit too much freedom. Sometimes I maybe took some too much freedom. And so, if that's you, well, that's a bummer, of course, but, but the thing is that God can redeem that somehow, somehow. He can take that and he can redeem it by what? By your obedience to his laws now. He can somehow take that and use your prayers for your kids, who maybe were raised outside of that kind of environment, and he can redeem it, and somehow maybe bring them into a greater fidelity to himself. But maybe some of you actually raised families and you're saying like, no, of course we did. Like that was, that was at the heart. Maybe we had other things going on. Maybe there were different messes going on in our lives. But, but at the core, we wanted obedience to God's commands. And if that's the case, that's, that's, that's great. Praise the Lord. In fact, I know there, there are plenty of people in, in our communities, whether, whether here or in the other two churches where, where I'm at. Uh, like I know there are plenty of people who have, who have been faithful to the Lord for years and years and years. And like that's been the core. It's like I got to be obedient to God's laws. And if that's the case, like praise the Lord. I also know there are other people who, who what? Who have had conversions over the course of the last several years or over the course of the last several months. And so there's been like a shift of just saying, like, no, like, I had different priorities, but now my one priority is fidelity to God because I have real faith in Him and I want to obey just as Abraham obeyed, just as Jesus, Mary, and Joseph obeyed, just as all the saints have obeyed, I too want to obey. And if that's the case, like, praise the Lord. But I also know plenty of people. and like, this is my own life. I know there are plenty of people who that's still not the core. In fact, I can look back at my own family life. And I've mentioned this before. When I was raised as as a boy, as a Catholic, a young Catholic, this was not at the core, the heart of my family. Obedience to God's commandments was not. In fact, that would have been like a swear word if you would have talked about it. And so at some point, I had to recognize as I made the faith my own, as I came to know Jesus and wanted to follow him, at some point I recognized i got to break a pattern of familial priorities that were different. Where I said, you know what, i got to, I got to make an adjustment where I don't have to be just like the rest of my family, but instead I can be someone who is like the family of Jesus. And so I had to make this decision. And perhaps there are some here, or for sure there are people within our communities who need to make that kind of a decision. Where we just have to say, you know what, this hasn't been my pri- priority. And I, I need it to be. I want it to be. And so I'm going to make this decision to do what? To repent and to turn toward the Lord, so to come into this relationship with Jesus who stands in the gap for me and for you so that I too can be one who's united with him in the gap between humanity and God. This is, this is an invitation. An invitation to repent. Which I know is a perpetual invitation, but but it's an invitation that is so essential for us. Because why? Because uh, Simeon says this: the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. The thoughts of many hearts. This is the thing. It doesn't matter what I think about your life. It doesn't matter what I think that I know about your life, or what you think that I know about your life, or what you think I don't know about your life. That none of that matters. What matters is what God thinks about your life, and God can't be tricked. He sees all things. He sees our intentions. He sees whether we are rebellious or whether we are striving for fidelity. He sees the thoughts of our hearts and he knows when we seek to contradict him. He knows when we openly rebel against him. He also knows when we turn in faithfulness to him. He knows and he sees that. He sees that, that maybe some of us have been taught incorrectly. Maybe some of us have been taught that we can have different priorities other than the priority, the one priority of being faithful to the Lord Jesus in obedience to God's commandments. He sees that, but then he also invites us to turn to him, to come and unite ourselves to him. So I just simply want to offer yet another invitation to you that if if you're one of these people that needs to make an adjustment in your life, you do it. If you're one of these people that needs to repent and go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, that you do it. And let your life be centered around, your family life, your individual life, your entire community life, be centered around and focused on nothing less than obedience to God's commandments. All of them. And I know that this is difficult, and I know that in my own personal life, while I might have a general disposition toward fidelity to him, I know that in my personal life, I have momentary things that happen where I want to rebel against God. And so you know what I need to do then? I need to repent of those moments. Right? If I can keep this as my core, then even if I have moments of weakness where I fail, then ultimately my core is going to lead me back to repentance, which is going to lead me back to the altar of the Lord. This is ultimately what we celebrate when we talk about celebrating the mystery of Christmas, when we talk about celebrating the feast of the Holy Family as a family that models for us how to live our lives, that shows us, that shows us the way into eternity.